Hi, I'm Hedgeye's founder, Keith McCullough. Thanks for listening to this real conversation. If you like what you hear, you will love our investing research. We bring transparency, accountability, and actionable investing ideas to investors big and small. I'll put our investing process and team up against anyone in the world. Please visit Hedgeye.com to subscribe and learn a better way to invest. I'm Keith McCullough, and welcome to another Real Conversation. It's a Friday, and it's a Friday in December, and I've been looking forward to this topic. This is not a topic that we've actually had on Hedge Eye TV before, so I'm quite excited about it. I have uh, one of my teammates here, Jeremy McLean, from our retail team, Senior Analyst on our retail team, and he's got all the really interesting questions. I'm just going to be the knucklehead asking G Money what the hell is going on here. So welcome, G. We appreciate you making, making the time. Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me on. No, it's, it's great. I mean, NFTs is something that, again, I'm, I am the neophyte, so I'm perfect for the person that's watching. Maybe not perfect, but close to it. You know, I am, I'm like base, basic, basic, basic. So, and, I, and, and also, I think you're familiar with at least a little bit of Hedge Nation and our audience. You know, a lot of them trade uh, other things other than NFTs, but plenty of them are interested in it. We've, we've obviously gotten into crypto in the last couple of years, and this is certainly a place where Jeremy's done a lot of work alongside Brian McGough on a name like Playboy, for example. So there, I think that there's a general, um, I think there's a general interest, there's a general base pack of knowledge, but there's really, you know, I, I'd like to build it up from there. Like, let's just start with, and, and we'll do uh, your background, obviously, but then get into the basics. But maybe if, if you give us, uh, give the audience your background first. Yeah, sure. So I come from traditional finance. I uh, was trading full time for about 17 or so years. Wow. Uh, following, following the markets uh, for 20 plus years since uh, I was a young teenager. Uh, so I, I definitely have when I when I found NFTs, uh, you know, obviously crypto in general just to me was always an interesting asset class uh, because of the convexity of the asset class itself. And that's what attracted me to NFTs as well. But I always came at it from like a financial background and a financial mindset. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was trading long short US equities for 15 plus years. <laughs> that's awesome. So you can really, I mean, at least for me, you're gonna help contextualize this big time. Cause at least, and if you could, you know, not that, that you have to contextualize everything for, for me, the, uh, you know, the liquid markets or traditional markets trader, but that's that's super helpful. Um, on the basics of it, maybe just start with NFT basics and then we'll get into, you know, execution and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think when you think about like, what is an NFT, right? You know, something that's non-fungible, right? So the best way to describe it is, even though right now it's art, uh, when you think about it uh, and you sit down and actually consider like the properties of it, everything in the real world is an NFT. And so what do I mean by that, right? It's like, if you have a dollar bill and I have a dollar bill and we exchange dollar bills, we both have the same value, right? And that's the same for Bitcoin and Ethereum and any other ERC-20 token. But you're wearing a shirt right now and I'm wearing a shirt right now. But if we were to exchange our shirts, we don't necessarily have the same value. They provide the same function, but you know, depending on the brand, the wear and tear, uh, if they're stains or, or anything, right? That determines the value of each of our individual shirts. So that means that they're non-fungible, right? So basically now all, all we are doing now is transferring uh, that property that exists in the real world into a digital format. And that's basically what an NFT is, right? That, you know, a non-fungible token is exactly that. So it's, 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 it's actually, they're, they're real things. They're just, people might get uh, a little concerned because because um, you you don't look like a real human being, but you, know, you are a real human being. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's the point, I, is, is that we have a lot of things in this world that have not been monetized or properly valued, you might argue. Uh, I could think of a lot of things in life that way. I mean, particularly uh, non-liquid markets. Um, when, when you think about that, though, like the exchanges by which they trade or how I would think about that, how can people put that in context? You mean like on um, what platforms they trade on? Yeah, like how, how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, OpenSea is, it has most of the volume. I think we're over the next six to 12 months, we're going to be seeing a lot of other platforms uh, come to market because I think much like in the real world, 
uh, liquidity is going to be like very fragmented, right? Like if I go to buy something, if I want to go and buy a designer handbag, I don't necessarily want to be buying it next to like in a Walmart, right? Like people look for those curated experiences. So when I look at the current NFT market, you take a look at a platform like OpenSea and it reminds me a lot of like an eBay or an Amazon, right? It's like, if I want to go there and find uh, every collection out there, then for sure, that's a, a great place to go. But we're still in early, early days on this. And I think that as NFTs become more prevalent, you're going to have very, very uh, specialized and verticalized marketplaces so that if you want to focus on play to earn assets, you, you know, there'll be a site where you go for that. If you want to focus on uh, digital wearables, there'll be another site for that. That's mm, special. Well, I mean, I, I just, I, I had never even, this is how, this is this is embarrassing, but I didn't even know what OpenSea was. Um, so I'm looking at it right now. I mean, so you can explore it or you can create on it. So unlike uh, on, an, on a traditional exchange, you can create your own NFTs on something like this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you have to see it more as like a marketplace, like an eBay, okay. right? Because like... Uh, when you think about it from like a financial exchange, like the NICE or ARCA, like, you know, obviously that's just a liquidity provider, right? So um, basically these are exchanges where, you know, if I have something to sell, I can list it for sale uh, and, you know, a buy buyers can come and, and the transaction happens. So I think I would, you would think of it more of as a traditional marketplace, like in, I think eBay is probably the best uh, correlation into the world we have today. Would you would you expect it all to converge like you know I think of crypto how quickly it all converged onto onto you know similar platform or a consistent platform like Coinbase would you expect that to to happen or would you expect the crypto platforms to adopt NFT uh, there's a lot of different ways this could go obviously um, I think personally I think it's going to be fragmented okay. uh, because I do think that ultimately if you take a look at let's say like the consumer experience in Western culture right now mm -hmm. is like you know you will go to Macy's for certain uh, brands and you'll go to Walmart for different brands right so like you're you're not going to go to Walmart to buy like a Gucci bag right so it's like I think that those curated experiences and you see it like on web two already right where it's like people will go to like a website like Farfetch to get something high end and then you go to Amazon to get like your consumer basics, right? So I think you're going to start, you're going to see those, that fragmentation happen as well in the long run. But I think we're still so early days that at the end of the day, right now, we consider everything an NFT when, you know, everything is an NFT. So like at some point, this broad category of things will have to be broken down to being like, you know, this is digital wearables, this is digital land, this is digital um, art, right? And like that, like things will be more segmented and broken down at some point in the future. Okay, uh, I a couple more questions and I'll let uh, Jeremy ask the uh, more intelligent ones. But what, what makes a successful, uh, what's a successful NFT look like? What what, what makes that happen and, and how do you know what's bullshit? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's you know it's very different for for everything, right? I I would say if I had to say the one thing I look for more than anything else is probably just the community uh, of you know how 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 much are the developers or the founders interacting with the community? Are they building out things for the community to to rally around? Uh, but really, like, I mean, it's like every it's like almost everything else is like it, you can't like you have to put in the work, right? It's not just uh, Right now we're in this mania, I'd say of like profile pictures where uh, people, the utility there is obviously being able to use it as uh, your profile picture on Twitter, right? And that's that's how I discovered NFTs and that's how they made sense to me was because I was playing Fortnite at the beginning of quarantine last year and I started playing with my friends and their 12 year old nephews and these kids, the first thing they asked me was what what skins did you buy? And I'm like skins, like they don't give me any special powers, like I'm not buying any skins. But then like, you know, two or three weeks later, I'm buying a bunch of skins and I realized, <laughs> that, you know, that there's this massive super cycle that that kid's 12 years old today. Yeah. In 10 years, he's going to be 22. He's going to have his own discretionary income and he's going to be totally okay with owning a purely digital asset. So at the time, you know, uh, Roblox and Unity weren't public companies. And I was like, I, I don't know uh, how I can take advantage of the super cycle. And then when I found NFTs a couple months later, I was like, oh, this is this is your skin on Twitter. Like it it makes so much sense to me. And, you know, I, I think over time that uh, those things will be fragmented. But, you know, that like again, like what makes a successful project? I think it's 
it's going to be a little bit different for for each and every project but ultimately i think it will come down to community that's that that's now i get it i mean i did at least i can i thought i was going to try to contextualize this within my 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 thick trading head but it's actually much more akin to my 14 year old son and his buddies uh engaging like that example is is crystal clear to me and it's also interesting and it's one other question that i had i was eventually going to ask i i thought anyway um, my son, for example, so you get, you get, you know, he's the perfect age for this. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to open your first trading account. You know, what do you, what do you want to buy? And he goes back and forth with me and we had this whole thing throughout the summer and, and he decide, and he starts thinking of it kind of like Peter Lynch. Okay. Uh, what, what, what he likes and his mom's like encouraging that. I'm like that, this is not actually what we teach you know, in terms of that, that game's kind of over. And he's like, dad, how about like stuff? you know, NFTs. And I'm like, what? And he starts asking me about these things. And, and literally, he, this is the way that he thinks. He thinks that, the, he, he thinks that this is a much better idea than, than buying a stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, listen, ultimately, when I, when I got into NFTs, part of my thesis was, uh, at the end of the day, we're all short rates, right? Like, if you're long any asset class around the world right now, <laughs> you're basically short interest rates. So my whole idea is like, how, how can I experience the most upside uh, if we're all, if we all have the same trade on? And you know, like you obviously have to go further and further out on the risk curve. And when I found NFTs, I was like, oh, this is, you know, this isn't a call that doesn't expire on Ethereum. And you know, if I want to be long Ethereum or Bitcoin, why not buy, you know, that derivative of the derivative? Because I consider uh, Bitcoin and e- like crypto in general, I consider uh, an option that doesn't expire. And so to me, it's like the upside is so good, right? Because it's like if you're right you're going to make multiples on your money. But if you're right in Apple, like you're going to make 20, 30%, right? So that that to me was kind of like my whole thesis behind, all right, I'm going to take a portion of my overall portfolio. I'm going to allocate it towards NFTs, uh, what I thought were high quality NFTs at the time. Uh, because if I thought Ethereum was going to be going higher than all these other assets, uh, just like in the real world, right? Like when the stock market's at all time highs, luxury real estate, luxury cars, cigars, wine, watches, all these things are at all time highs as well. So uh, my thought process was, uh, let me get this high convexity trade on uh, that is basically an option, right? Because again, like I said, we're all short rates. Yeah, we're all short rates, but I mean, some people are willing to believe anything in crypto space. I'm sure we're gonna get into that. At least uh, in in my head, uh, a community and something like skins in Fortnite I can, I can, I actually have to discipline that. I have to stop, you know, these guys from playing that game for so long. You could actually see it. You know, it's there. Um, yeah. Just one, uh, and Jeremy's gonna got some questions for you as well. So, what, what were the first ones that you bought or that you invested in? Um, so, I ended up buying. Uh, I ended up getting. I, I fell into NFTs because there was a uh, fractionalization platform that was fractionalizing a crypto kitty. And so like somebody on Twitter was talking about it. It was like, oh, I think this is gonna go up two or three X. And so I bought a bunch and it went down 50% right away. And so I was like, all right, fuck, like what am I gonna do here? (laughs) (laughs) Shit, that's a little different. (laughs) The way the buyout mechanism worked was I could buy everybody out at a certain price, but it was a shotgun buyout. So Ah. if I, they could turn around and buy me out at that price. So I was like, all right, if I made my money back and like I got bought out at break even, I was cool with it. But also if I bought it out at break even, I looked at the comps and I was like, I can maybe make an extra five to six ETH off of it. And um, after, during the buyout period, I ended up getting a loan against it because I found this lending platform and I basically got a cash out, re- a full cash out refi. I bought it for $25,000 and I was like, all right, if I can get $10,000 out of it and go long Ethereum with it, um, and this is when Ethereum was at like $550. It was a little over a year ago. And um, I ended up getting a, a full cash out. So I got a $25,000 loan against something I just bought for $25,000. I went long Ethereum for, I think I believe it was uh, 90 days or yeah, 90 days. And I ended up getting out of that trade when Ethereum was, I think like around 1800, 1900. So it was basically, I mean, all the things that have like that work in the traditional finance sector are all being built in the crypto space and you know they're going to be utilized by nfts because like when i when i started finding these different mechanisms i was like dude this is insane this is going to change the world right because you're moving things that used to be only available to the richest people in the world down you're scaling it down to the lowest end where you know you could have an asset that's maybe like 500 dollars, and you can implement these tools that otherwise would have been unavailable to you hmm. that's wild man i love that 
I can see it on your face. You're ready to start buying. Some of these, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm a. I think many would uh, would probably um, guess, but I, I'll trade anything. I mean, it's it's anything. So to me, you know, there's a lot well, of ju- and I, and I like the juice. So I mean, something like this. And, and listen, I'm, I'm a trader as well, right? Like I I come from the traditional trading world. So I the when I found Bitcoin, it was because people were telling me the volatility was crazy, and then I started going down the rabbit hole and I found Ethereum and ICOs and. And then again, using that same concept, I'm like, all right, well, this is a, a much more a liquid asset, but you know, the, the psychology of masses still still pertains to to anything that has a trading market, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. kind of what what drew me into NFTs. That's cool. Gee, if we could take a, a little bit of a step back and help people with like uh, some of the why here, um, you know, I, the innovation of blockchain and what that does for sort of digital ownership. Uh, if you could talk about that, and then also. Um, you know, how you think about the ownership of things beyond their utility, right? Because I've watched some of your interviews and you think, think very similarly to me about both the dynamics for th- your history and where the, you know, where the consumer market is going uh, with this, right? You kind of hinted at it with like, you know, the next generation is very comfortable with digital, uh, uh, digital behavior or digital ownership of things in their lives versus somebody who's, you know, uh, wasn't, wasn't raised in the, post 2000 world. So please yeah. add some color around that to help people that might be very new to NFTs. Color around what exactly? We'll start with so digital ownership, right? A little bit about how blockchain helps enable that. Um, and then why, right. you know, why would it, why would anybody want to own something digitally? Right. That, right. So I'll, yeah, I'll go back to, I guess, the Fortnite example, right? Like uh, Keith, you said you have kids that are spending probably hundreds of dollars on, on uh, V-Bucks to, to buy these skins, right? Like yeah. each skin is, let's say, $10 to buy. When, let's say I buy it for $10, I use it, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm done with it. I don't want to use that skin anymore. There's nothing I can do with it, right? Like there's no exchange where I can sell it either at a loss or at, or at a gain. Uh, and so it's basically something that I spent money on, but it's owned by Epic Games, and there's nothing that I can do with it. Uh, you see people that sell accounts on eBay, but like that's not super safe, right? Because uh, there needs to be some sort of inherent trust there where either uh, the buyer sends the money first, hoping that the account gets released or the account, uh, the person that owns the account will release the account, hoping that the buyer pays. So there's inherently no trust there. Uh, what blockchain enables is that, let's say I spent money on that on that skin. Uh, and I use it for six or seven months. And then all of a sudden I decide, hey, I don't want to play this game anymore or I don't like this skin. I want to sell it. Mm-hmm. And you can sell it you know, at whatever price. Maybe uh, it's a rare skin and the price has gone up and I can sell it higher. Uh, or you know, it goes lower because there's not much demand, but it's not a 100% loss, right? Because at some price point, there's going to be some clearing price point where the market will be like, okay, there's demand here. So to me, it's like giving people that digital ownership increases their flexibility of and, and optionality of what they want to do with it, right? Like they're not necessarily mm-hmm. egged into that ecosystem if let's say a better game comes along and they want to be a part of that. Oh, gotcha. And then, you know, I, I think you have some interesting color. If you think about, you know, what what the utility value is, right? right? What's the value of these things beyond their utility? And people kind of say, well, that seems silly. Why would I buy a piece of art, right? But we, we do this in everything we buy, pretty much. Almost everything we buy is paid beyond the utility of it, except maybe like food. So uh, I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts around you know th- that aspect of, of ownership of those digital things. Yeah, so I think that like when when I went down the rabbit hole, I said I, I started with CryptoKitties, and then I was trying to find the next CryptoPunks. And it wasn't for like another like 60 or 90 days because at the time that I got involved in NFTs, the floor of CryptoPunks was around $1,000. Uh, just right now, the floor is around, I think, 380, 400,000 right now. And so at the time, I was like, oh, CryptoPunks are so expensive. I want to find the next CryptoPunks. And as I was spending more and more time, I realized that, you know, some of the most knowledgeable people in the space uh, that knew the most, that were the most successful, had CryptoPunks as their profile pictures. Mm. And so to me, it's like, there was that utility, right? Is like one, you know, I can afford, you know, what does it say about a person uh, that can afford to put a thousand dollar picture or whatever price picture uh, as their profile picture? And what does that say about them, right? And then when you take that that parallel to the real world, right? Like, you know, uh, let's say watches as a great example where the difference between let's say a Rolex watch and a Casio watch 
is is very negligible. They both tell you time. Neither one, neither of them tell you time any better than the other. But there's a reason why people will spend ten thousand dollars on a Rolex watch, right? Because of the signaling that it sends. That if hey, uh, if I can afford to spend ten thousand dollars on a watch, what does that mean, right? And that's like uh, when I understood that, uh, and just understanding that even though humans will be interacting more digitally, that doesn't necessarily change uh, how how we think and what our emotional responses are to things. So my my whole thought process was like, rather than let's say me, at, at the end of last cycle, people were, at the end of the last crypto cycle, people would say, oh, like, you know, when Lambo, when Lambo. And my thesis was that by the end of this cycle, people will be saying when crypto pump, right? Because why would I want to spend money on a Lamborghini that I drive around the neighborhood that only, uh, you know, my neighbors who I barely talk to would see when instead I could spend that same amount of money on a, on a digital image that all my friends that I interact with all day can see, right? And so to me, it was like that human psyche of, uh, of understanding how that works and kind of being like, all right, well, this is how I think it would play out in the digital world. But I think to your point of like, the, what's the utility beyond that? The, the thing that made me really, really uh, excited about NFTs is the fact that everything in the real world is an NFT, right? So uh, when we take a look at it right now, sure, it's just the first use case is art. Now we're starting to get into gaming assets. But like, what does the world look like 10 to 20 years from now when a mortgage, which is an NFT, comes on chain, right? And you can make a regionalized CMBS index uh, fully on chain and fully transparent. You don't have to worry about collateralization ratios dropping and uh, banks marking up their books, right? Like what would have happened if all of uh, like the 2008 debt crisis that we went through was fully on chain, you know what I mean? Like, so to me, that is like the really exciting and cool stuff that's really coming down the road because I know that at some point, right? Like having a fully and transparent system is ultimately better for everyone overall. Like every time that crypto has a massive drawdown, uh, you know, 40, 50%, it makes it that much more anti-fragile, right? Like you have people, sure, getting wiped down on leverage, but nobody's requiring a bailout. The financial system isn't, isn't being brought to its knees and it's just being made that much stronger for the next cycle. So that to me is uh, what I look at NFTs and, and how they get integrated into the future. Uh, that is what I find the most exciting. That's a great point on just tying it back to everything we talk about here and everything that I've believed since you know, starting the idea of like building Hedgeye is anti-fragility uh, in a world where we'll do anything uh, to make something more fragile, which is the entire financial system at this point. We're on the whim of, of the Fed whispering to somebody over at X to, to somebody over at Y. I mean, that is um, that's 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 comforting. Let's just say let's just say that because most people you know, that are perma bears in particular on the US stock market wake up every day saying that this, this is a house of cards and it's gonna you know, come to its knees, which is true at some point. But what you're saying is over here, we're creating the anti-fragile, um, you know, the anti-fragile sister um, that has a lot of the same attributes in terms of how capitalists would like to engage in it. They're okay with making and losing money. They know that, that, that you know, when I came to Wall Street, those actually used to be the rules of the game. Now we have, of right. course, of <laughs> course, the Fed. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's funny you say that, like I'm, I mean, I, I, I guess, Listen, I, I trading equities, I made about 80% of my money on the short side, you know, so uh, I'd say over the last 12, 12 to 13 years since the 2009 bottom trading is obviously very, very hard uh, if you're trading, you know, mostly short, right? Like, I, I don't need to tell you where, you know, when the Fed comes in and is literally like, oh, we're down like two, three percent. OK, no, like we're tapering the taper, right? Like, it's, it's uh you know, it's a tried and true game. And so to me, it's like, if we're all going to be short interest rates and, you know, they're not going to be raising interest rates anytime soon, then, you know, you should be long the highest convexity plays. Like, I'm not saying put your entire net worth into it, but no. I think there should be a portion of your portfolio that has that exposure, you know? But you did, I mean, you're, you're, you're tying a lot of things together here. Again, I came at this, you know, with a wide open mind, you know, just trying to trying to find some tangential things that I could latch onto. Um, car, um, you, the wine, car, art, you know, these are things that I've had or I have. Uh, and and, and I, I think that's right. Uh, the, the, and I think you have a theory on this called a flex theory. The peacocking of it all, use the Lambo, Lambo example. Um, and I could use an example of my son would be quite interested in owning a digital asset that's the equivalent of a Lambo instead. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because when I speak to people over the age of 40, they've generally had a harder time understanding. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be 47 it. in a couple weeks, man. Take it easy on me. I'm not <laughs> no, a boomer. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm in, I'm in my, my late 30s, so we're, we're almost we're on the same level. But like when I talk to somebody under the age of 20, right, like my friend's kids, you know, they're to the same exact story that you had with your kids where, listen, when I was 12 years old, I was fascinated with the stock market. Like I started following the market when I was 12. Yeah. If I was 12 year olds, 12 years old today, I'm pretty sure I'd be very fascinated with crypto and probably NFTs. And I see that with my friends, kids that, you know, are like, oh, like, how can I get involved? And, you know, thankful, like, luckily for them, their their parents are, you know, encouraging them to be like, okay, like, I'll fund like a MetaMask in here and you can go around and, and play with it and, and get immersed in it and, and see what you can do. And to me, that's like super cool, right? Because I was very much encouraged to, to learn by doing uh, by my parents as well. So uh, when I see that happening with like today's youth, I'm like, I, I'm super stoked about it. That's cool, man. All right, we've got a lot in the queue. Do you have any other specific questions you want to hit on? Well, I, I, I had a couple just that I wanted to knock down before, and I'm sure they're in the queue uh, as well. In terms of partners, um, you talked a little bit about what you've what you've done so far, but partners, whether they be people, celebrities, or, or corporates, I think you've done both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I... Uh, I was involved in selling uh, Visa, their uh, their their crypto punk, uh, back in August. Uh, I have also, like again, I think because of my traditional finance background, uh, I I also helped Galaxy Digital buy their first crypto punk. They bought it for me. Oh wow! And most recently, um, Adidas announced they their entrance into the metaverse, uh, of which I I can't really say all that much, but. I've been working with them very, very closely over the last several months uh, on helping them come up with what I think is their the right NFT strategy. Because to me, the most important thing at this point is, you know, how do we onboard as many people? Like, I, I firmly believe that crypto is the future. And so the key then is, like, how do we onboard as many people as possible as quickly as possible? Yeah. And I firmly believe that NFTs are that Trojan horse uh, that take crypto mainstream, right? But at the moment, it's kind of like a clunky user experience. And over time, I think it's gonna get better. Like I imagine 10, 15 years from now, people that will be using blockchain tech will have no idea that they're using blockchain tech, right? It'll be as simple as like signing in with your email address to, to like any website right now. And, you know, we're just not there yet, right? For the same reason that in 1999, um, you know, all the promises, you know, like uh, pets.com, uh, was a great business idea, you know, but it was just too early, right? Like, it, you know, they went bankrupt in 99, but Chewy's is what, a five or $6 billion company last I checked or something like that. Yeah. And so to me, uh, it's the same type of thing is like the tech is is there. It's going to be super revolutionary. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, it's interesting that like, it's not like you gave me a couple like, you know, crackshack.com as your first uh, business partner or something like this. I mean, Visa, yeah. Adidas, yeah, and, and it's and, and Josh Steiner, who does a lot of work on this on our crypto product, um, he always says this. It's like it's just like 1997, the instead of the Internet, we have 150 million people on this. You know, in terms of adoption, it's pretty much I mean, that's. That's a that's a story that people like because it's like it's accessible. You just tapped into it. You know, again, great example on Pets.com versus uh, versus Chewy. Um, you did mention you, you mentioned Bitcoin a couple times. Uh, I, I this is kind of a softball uh, pitch to you, but again, you know, what about what about the the Bit, the Bitcoin crowd and 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 where you're at versus where they've been. Um, so you know, I personally I don't think I own any Bitcoin at the moment. Uh, the way I kind of viewed the whole uh, crypto space uh, was, let's say if Bitcoin has beta, Ethereum has beta on Bitcoin, DeFi has beta on on uh, Ethereum. Ethereum, and NFTs have beta on DeFi. And so literally, when I was getting into the space, back to, I guess, the way I just look at the world is, you know, if, if I'm going to have the same trade on, I want to have the highest convexity. And so I allocated a portion that I was willing to risk a hundred percent on because I firmly I firmly believe that you can't expect to make multiples of your money only risking a portion of your money right like if you if you want to like 10 to 50x your investment like you're you're realistically risking it all like you're not risking 10 percent like there's no stop where you oh yeah like I'm gonna I'm gonna go get out if it moves against me it's like you know that that's fine if you're trying to make 
you know, 30 to 80%. But when you're trying to make significant multiples, like it's an all or nothing bet and you have to ride that out. And so that to me is, uh, you know, why I think I gravitated further deeper into crypto, because if it's all the same bet at the same way at the end of the day, anyway, um, I, again, and I've been trading public markets for 20 plus years. I, I think that I can, uh, time it decently well, you know, I, I don't want to like, I, I mean, I, I sold all that I had that was liquid in Q1 of 2018, uh, because it felt just too frothy for me, mm -hmm. uh, because I remember what it was like in, in 1999, 2000, when I was, uh, 17 years old and I didn't sell anything. <laughs> well, that's a, I mean, uh, I love how you answered that question because again, that puts it within, you know, within my domain or the context of how I think about risk and, and you use the word beta, you know, this has beta to that. So just so people know what, what the hell that means, if they're NFT people that, that don't uh, risk adjust their portfolios for betas or anything like that, I don't want to get in, down the, the rabbit holes. What's interesting about it, let's, so let's just say that the S&P 500, well, the S&P 500 is beta. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong in terms of how you're, you tried to contextualize this, but Bitcoin is beta like the S&P 500 is to the stock market. So again, if you want to make more money, then you're going to go out the risk curve and you, know, you, you, you did that appropriately going to ETH, to DeFi, to, to NFTs. What's interesting about that is that most of the risk is actually where the betas are lower. You, know, you can find that in the stock market today. Like there's there have been multiple times where buying the growthier stock, for example, what, you know, to become you know the 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 TAM winner, if you will, that's actually been so you're buying the higher beta stock, but you ended up making a lot more money and losing less when the market went down. Um, right. That to me, like just looking at it, and I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about forever. Sometimes I get in trouble with these maxis because a they've never traded a market in their life, so I can't imagine why. When we're talking about betas, volatility adjusted returns, but you know, again, when quad four hits, Bitcoin gets eviscerated. Um, and I know you, you used to be a Hedgeye subscriber, so you know what quad four is. But when quad four, a lot of mar like real volatility in the market happens, what they do is they destabilize the thing that became most in institutionalized. And we just saw this in Bitcoin. Um, it was just Saturday, last Saturday. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm sitting there, you know, my, my buddy's driving because I had this issue with my foot, so I couldn't hit the gas. So he's driving. I'm watching Bitcoin trade at six in the morning. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then, and then in 40 minutes, you know, I don't know if you, if you saw this move, but within 40 yeah. minutes when most uh, people on the East Coast are sleeping, it had this epic correction. And you know it's an institutional seller from London or Asia that was tapped on the shoulder and forced to sell. That guy or gal, whoever it is, is not trading your NFTs or DeFi or ETH, by the way. ETH didn't even trade remotely close to that. So what do you think about that? Like, you know, again, once you get, I've, I've often said, hey, watch it, Michael Saylor. You want everybody to be long Bitcoin. Now you're going to have, you know, every gray beard from you know, Boomer.com. They're going to they're going to be they're going to be risk managing it in their old wall ways. Right. Yeah, no. And I, I totally agree with you. Right. And I think that. Um, it's interesting. It's funny you say that because the let's say the highest beta stocks in the stock market have massively outperformed over the last decade. And that's obviously a function of, of low interest rates. Right. Like if the cost of capital is cheap, then why why wouldn't you be going for the highest beta plays? So I, I totally agree with that. And I, I the interesting thing about uh, I, and I know somebody somebody tweeted about this like uh, a couple months ago, where even in the crypto space is like the cool thing about NFTs is that you don't have you're not trading against these bots, right? Like mm -hmm. these, uh, you know, high frequency traders that are trying to sit there and, and nickel and dime you and, and catch a few bips on every trade because, you know, the, the market size is so small, especially six months ago. Right. And just now you're starting to see a lot more uh, of bots coming into the space and, you know, liquidity starting to come in. And I, I think, you know, and, and that's what people are working on. Right. Is like, how do we increase liquidity? Uh, but there's no leverage in the in the NFT system directly yet, right? Like Bitcoin and even Ethereum to to a really large extent have a ton of uh, leverage that it's like you know you can put you can deposit your ETH, you can deposit your Bitcoin, and they'll get, people will give you a loan against it, right? Like that doesn't exist in the NFT market yet. So you're talking about basically a cash trading market at the moment, uh, so that those uh, those taps on the so on the shoulders don't necessarily come and like. Right have those nasty wicks on the downside just yet. Well, that's, that's um, and, and, and again, uh, I love getting the maxi feedback because it shows their ignorance to some degree. I mean, if you've traded, I'll trade anything, okay? So again, you want people like me 
to, to understand NFTs, DeFi, ETH. I'm long, I got a lot of ETH now because I finally figured out how to trade it. But I, I trade wine. I store hodl wine, you know, because I drink it. That's my downside. That's a liquid asset that I could drink. It's good. I think most people would probably agree with that. But LiveX, where, where I could actually trade wine, like bulk wine, has yeah. no volatility. But it's one of the, so again, because you have, and this is, goes kind of back to where I was trying to get you to where I think I'm finally at, which is you said it's going to trade on in different places. Like that's the place, if you want to sell a lot of wine, that's where you're going to sell it. And there is no, there's no tap on the shoulder. There's no, there's no hedge fund guy that's long like 18 cases of 2010 Brunello that he's got to get rid of on a Saturday morning. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So so the volatility of the asset, even though you might think that it's something that's a little harder to understand, is super low on a long term basis because you don't have the institutionalization. You have specialization. And that to right. me, tell me if that if I'm just trying to put, you know, your your no, peg I, in I, my in my square in no, my square. I box. Think it makes, I think it makes total sense. Right. I, I think part of it's a function of liquidity is the market's probably not nearly as big as obviously. No, not even close. Yeah. Liquid. Right. trading market. But I think also part of it is that like nobody's necessarily I, and I don't know the exact mechanics of that exchange, but I'm assuming that nobody's giving you leverage so that against your case of wine to buy more cases no, of no, wine, no. right? No. And yep. that's where the issue I think comes in into crypto is a lot of people. And listen, I'm, I'm in my late 30s. And I've been trading for 20 years. I talk to a lot of guys that are young in like their mid to, to early 20s. And I'm like, dude, you have to manage your risk. And you don't need leverage. Like you don't need leverage right. in crypto. You know, like you need leverage in traditional equities because the volatility is just so much lower. But if you're gonna, if you can make three to five x your money being long uh, some token in you know 30 to 60 days, you don't need leverage on that. You know, like all you're doing is introducing blow up risk. And like I try to get these guys to understand that, and they're like, "Oh no, but I like it." I'm like, oh my "Okay, God. you like it. You well, like the game. I like to go to a casino and play blackjack." But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to make money when I do it. You Dude, know? I, I I mean, the difference between this about to be 47-year-old chubby Irish guy and all the other guys that I and gals that I grew up with in this business that are in and around, like call it a decade of my age. The difference between why I'm still standing here and while they and, and why they're, you know, Jersey Mike's franchisees or whatever they're doing or retire is because they used leverage and blew up. That's it. The biggest difference. Yeah. It wasn't that you know they they weren't as good on the analytical side. They used a different Excel model. It again is the risk parameters. And if you want to stay yeah. to play, you know, for the whole game, you know, you might want to think that through. So thank you for saying that because I think that most people, it's like hodl and lever up. I mean, this is bananas. I mean, well, the, to, to your point is, you know, listen, I I like I said, I've been trading uh, capital markets for a really long time. I've taught a lot of people, uh, very smart people. Uh, you know, and some people that are like very street smart because I don't think there's like some there's not like one formula of like success. No, uh, not even the, close. Right? No. And, but the one thing I will say, and this is to your point that I've noticed when people are like, oh, what does it take to be successful? And I always tell them it's like discipline. Like that. The only thing that matters is like if you have a stop in place and you hit that stop, get out. Like the market tells you you're wrong. You have to get out because you have to live to see another day. And the second that you think you're smarter than the market is really when it all goes to shit. And you know, that's when you, you end up having to find a new job. And, and I've seen that happen countless of times. I'm sure you've seen that as well, where really smart people come into the space, but if they don't have that discipline, they're, they're not gonna survive. Well put. Gee, so we've got a lot of uh, questions here from viewers that we'll get to, but one thing I've, if you could hit on is just, um, you know, it, it, some investing best practices in this space, but how do you think about quality uh, versus breadth in sort of selection of your, your NFTs that you're investing in? Yeah, so I basically try to uh, go at the highest quality, at the highest end uh, projects that I think will be blue chips. I, I don't necessarily uh, mint things anymore because I know uh, that my wallet is tracked. And so, you know, sometimes I'll mint something just as like a YOLO or I like the art or whatever, but I won't take a significant position, right? Like. My most significant positions are in uh, things like CryptoPunks, Chromie Squiggles, uh, anything Artbox curated, uh, Board Ape Yacht Clubs, like things like that, that uh, now have the community around it that, don't get me wrong, like in a bear market, these things will have massive, massive drawdowns, 
but I think that these things uh, have a, a higher terminal value than you know something that's mm -hmm. like you know, uh, mint the giraffes or something that comes out next week, right? And so to me, like those are, are much higher risk, are much higher risk. And at this point, I would much rather hold on to the assets that I have that I think will be here in 20 to 30 years, as opposed to try to buy something uh, to make a quick, quick gain and flip, right? And I think the, I think the key is if, if you want to play that game, you have to understand like, which falls into which back, which bucket. You know, it's fine to to trade and and to try to make a quick gain and a profit and and to trade your way up, but uh, that's just not the game that I want to play uh, in a, a fairly illiquid market like NFTs. This will, it'd be interesting, Jeremy. Like if it plays out the way the internet did, or if it plays out the way that the mega cap you know, tech stocks have in most recent years. It's actually not going to work out that way. It's not going to be everyone gets eviscerated in the highest quality NFTs. The bullshit ones are going to get eviscerated. And the value of the ones that people find value in, I think, will, at least, I don't, I don't know what to think. Let's just be clear. But I'm, again, within my parameters, like how I think about risk management in the aggregate, I think it's going to be, a, if these things are actually what you say they are, and if it's an a, a X vintage bottle or 10 cases of Lafitte, they're not going to trade with the volatility that some you know guys long a TAM stock that has no earnings. I mean, it's just going to be different. It could be, it could actually be quite bullish. Yeah. It, it, it's funny you mention that because I I generally, as my proxy personally, I look at the floor price of crypto punks. And so people are like, oh, the market's imploding. Floor, uh, floor like, price of what? Crypto punks? Uh, crypto punks. So my my avatar right now is a crypto punk ape. So crypto punks. One, one uh, the original. A, a quick little history. Is, is that uh, what the, is that what you look like right now? Your crypto punk that your head? Yeah, this is what my crypto punks look looks like. Yeah. So just oh. a, a quick a quick primer on crypto punks. They were uh, made in 2017. There was 10,000 of them that were uh, ge it's generative art. Of those 10,000, nine of them are uh, aliens. 25 of them are apes, like what I have. 88 of them are zombies, and the rest are humans. Generally split between male and female. And of and everybody has like different traits. So like for instance, mine has this orange beanie, right? And so and that's what I'm recognized for. Generally, when people see an orange beanie ape, they see they they're like, oh, that's G money. And so <laughs> I generally track. That's uh, awesome. Price, you know, um, now all these all there'll be a lot of projects, NFT projects that come out, and they'll be going up and down with wild fluctuations where you know it'll go from like you know, 0.1 ETH to like 2 ETH and then all the way back. But I look at the price of crypto bunks because I have a fairly large position in them. And to me, they're like the gold standard of NFTs. And they don't move as much, right? Like they'll be like, am I going to 10,000 X my money from here? Probably not. Most likely not unless, you know, the Fed keeps printing a ton of money. But like, I'm probably not going to make a ton of money from here, uh, relatively speaking to like, finding the next crypto punks and making a 10,000 X. But I also have much less risk, right? Like that yeah. over the course of the next five to 10 years, I can feel fairly certain that the value of this will be higher than it is today. Hmm. That's, that's, that's cool, man. That's a, now I, now I get it. I think I get it. Yeah. So he is his own NFT. Yeah. It's a, it's his yeah. new identity, right? Um, Freaking cool, man. And you know what the, uh, at least let's get into people's questions. Cause we have uh, at least 15 minutes for that. Yep. But I think, if you don't mind me saying uh, G-Man or G-Money, the, 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 the best part about it is that at least you're, if, with me, you, you are appealing in terms of being trustworthy, you're transparent, you sound accountable. Like These are the kinds of things that I would not have thought when having a discussion with a digital image, which I've never had before, uh, it, it is interesting. Uh, and and I, I, there's a lot that we're working on behind the scenes here on that front because the entire edifice of the old wall is the opposite of that. They have the, they have the illusion of being, you know, they want to create the illusion of being trustworthy, but they cheat, they steal, they need to be fed, you know, ba bailed out by the Fed on any, on any you know, mismanagement of their own leverage or lack of... Uh, or lack of risk management embedded therein. It's it's really interesting, man. I mean, because you're out there, but some would say, like, if you ask some 85-year-old old wall guy, he'd be like, what the fuck is that? What, he's talking to, like, a, a, an ape? Uh, and then it's like, you know, imagine we showed them what you did at Lehman Brothers, pal. 
I mean, that you, you, his, his, you would go up in value very quickly relative to him. <laughs> so. so it's funny you say that because a lot of I, I haven't been on like mainstream press because generally they're like, well, you need to tell us your real name and you need to show your face. And I was like, nobody necessarily cares about what me as a human being says, right? Because I had developed this personality online and I was always very true to, I wanted to be very authentic to who I am, right? Where I wanted people that when they meet G Money in person, they'd be like, oh, he's exactly, you know, exactly like his tweets, right? Like he's exactly the same person I thought he would be. And I think that that's like kind of uh, started this larger, let's say identity discussion with um, you know, how personalized is identity, right? Like I'm sure your sons uh, don't show like their, it's, they don't have like their LinkedIn picture for like when they're playing video games, right? And they, don't, <laughs> they generally don't put in their real names, right? Like, right. you know, your username and the way you display yourself to the world is a very personalized thing, right? Because that's something that you can control and it's very personality driven. Whereas the name that we're given at birth and what we look like, you know, that's, pretty much determined, you know, before we're even born. So like, to me, I think it's like a really interesting, like, I think we're, I think shit's about to get weird. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, not that's, that's a great way to put it. I thought it was going to be, I, I'm getting more comfortable. I thought it's less like, it's, it, as soon as I saw you on the, in, in the studio, I was like, what the fuck? Like, are we really going to do this? And and now it's like, I'm talking to a, 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 a guy on a trading floor. I mean, it's not, it's not, I don't care what you look like. I mean, I never have cared what human beings look like or where they come from or who their dad is. I mean, enough about that. Let's um, yeah. let's take other people's questions. I think you mentioned the Ready Player One movie. Like, yes. If you watched it, it's, it's kind of introducing like what, what the future could look like here. And that meta meta change by Facebook gives a lot of legitimacy in the, uh, in the equity markets around it. So uh, I like this first question, top question here. Number one Dave. voted. Number one voted. Do you see any long-term value in Playboy rabbitars? Will we see this market explode? Uh, um, did so, you follow that one so at all? I haven't. I haven't done uh, that much research on the Playboy NFTs yet, but I have heard. I have seen it. Like I did like the artwork. I, I did try to mint some, and it sold out pretty quickly. What does that but mean, mint some? You said that a couple times. What does that mean? Oh, minting is so it's like the generate. Let's say the NFT generation event. So like let's say it's almost like the the IPO, right? Where it's oh, like okay. you can go in and you can mint them at the the price that they initially sell at, and then they just start trading on on the market afterwards. Yep. Okay. So is generally open every. Every project will kind of do it a little bit differently, maybe like a whitelist for community members or uh, just free minting, you know, uh, open, open, uh, open, open for everybody. Like it, it really, it really depends. But one of the things and one of the really cool things I think about crypto in general, but especially NFTs, is that it's very community focused. Right. So it's not like the institutions are coming in and taking down 10 to 20 percent of the allocation because they have a relationship with uh, the investment bank. Mm -hmm. I got some ideas on that for maybe you and I for later. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I got I'd some real them. good ideas on that. Um, maybe, maybe they're really good. You'll tell me if they're not good. Anyway, next, go next, <laughs> next question here. So when I send gas fees and ETH are often a few hundred USD per transaction, do you see a competing token with a wallet similar to MetaMask entering the NFT space to disrupt uh, Ether? So, so yeah, so I think it's um, obviously you have your side chains uh, like Polygon, uh, you have other, I, I think NFTs have, have taken off on Tezos. Uh, there's been a lot of activity there. And also obviously Solana with uh, the cheap fees and, and the, the speed. And so I, I fully believe in, you know, I, I try to make sure that I don't want to be, I don't want ever, I don't ever want to be a maxi in anything because I, I, I think I'm, <laughs> I, I like to consider myself smart enough to un, to know that I don't know everything and I don't have all the answers. So uh, even though I'd say most of my attention at the moment is spent on NFTs on Ethereum, I'm also very open to the idea that there there's probably going to be a multi-chain world where different chains are used for different use cases, uh, and you know because of that NFTs will live on different chains. Uh, which ones will definitely will rise to the top will remain to be seen, but. At least for the time being, I feel like Ethereum has enough, let's say, total value lock uh, and enough uh, time-tested, uh, you know, proof of proof of just like authenticity at this point, where uh, people can trust Ethereum until the other chains get enough volume and, and time under their belts. 
Makes sense. Can you uh, can you explain or and or provide an opinion on tokenization of publicly held companies? Um, Do you have well, any I mean, sort of take there? Shares are kind of to tokenized. You know, public company, publicly traded companies are pretty much tokenized through through equity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they refer to sort of take it on on chain. Um, uh, if, uh, if, if no I mean, real opinion, I, then we can we can move yeah, on. I mean, the problem there, right, is like securities issues, right? So it's uh, I think we probably need more clarity from the SEC on uh, what you know how security work, how KYC works, and I think that that's kind of the real issue with regards to getting equity on chain and you know investor protection laws and and all of that. Uh, I think that like we're probably moving towards a world where that will happen. Uh, I just think that there's probably a lot of vested interest in in keeping the system the way it is right now. And uh, I, at some point, I think the the floodgates will open, but I, I'm not sure if we're just there just yet. Gotcha. I think this person probably referring to T zero and and you know Overstock sort of stake in that as the the opportunity. But yeah. let's uh, let's move on. So how how long do you think it'll be before we see property deeds as NFTs? or other such real property um, assets? I So, I mean, I've seen a few properties on chain at this point. The, the thing is, it, once we come up with some sort of standardized way to do it, you, like you need to, to build the rails to make it happen. And then I think it will become more prolific. I, I would love to see it within 10 years. I don't know. I, listen, when I bought my when I bought this ape, I said to myself, um, I bought it for $150,000 in January. And I said, I want to sell it uh, for $5 million at one of the major auction houses in five years. And uh, a CryptoPunk sold for $15 million five months later at Christie's. So I, my timing was obviously way off on that. But I do think uh, it's going to happen. The question just is like, is it five years? Is it 20 years? I, I really don't know. But that's what I'm here for. Dude, I was just looking. I mean, while Jeremy's asking you some questions, these freaking sales by Ether Value are crazy, man. I mean, <laughs> this is like uh, not—they're not crazy. It's cool. I mean, it's—it's yeah. it's, this. I don't know if you could see time. if people could see that. Yep. Can you see that? Yeah. This this dude sold for this. Is that is that? Am I am I the only idiot that doesn't know who this that's, this is? That's an alien. That's an alien. That's one. one that's one of the rarest ones. So if you look at the guy, the the ape with the blue bandana. Yeah, that one sold yesterday, uh, and that was actually that sold for ten million. I, I think whoever bought it, if I had the liquidity, I would have bought it myself. But I thought that that was a steal. I think the fair market value that's probably closer to twenty, maybe twenty-five. That ape with the oh, I didn't even. That's yeah. that ape, blue bandana, ten point ten point two six million dollars, and that and. Sold and Within and I got to, and I got hedge funds fucking whining to me that other hedge funds are selling into your end, like oh <laughs> I feel so bad for you. Like why didn't you instead of your bloody stock picks, why didn't you pick the ape with the blue hat or the beanie? That's phenomenal. <laughs> That's really cool, man. What what is the thought though? Like I, I hate I hate this question when people ask me, so forgive me. Uh -huh. Why? Like why the guy? Why the one with the blue beanie? Well, so the the ape that ape is one of twenty five. So it's uh, oh right, there's only twenty five apes. You're one of them. I got you. Okay. So, yeah. and that one is just a rare one, right? So, uh, those the apes very rarely go on sale. That one had like a little bit of controversy around it because the guy uh, there there is an issue with uh, an issue or, or not. It's just that some people, some collectors, uh, were hoping that Larva Labs, the creators of CryptoPunks would open up the IP license uh, on the CryptoPunks so that people can use them to make money off them. And that owner uh, was just kind of, it was almost like a- uh, um, Protest a, sale or something? Yeah, a protest sale, pretty much, right? Like like <laughs> I said, that, 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 that ape sold for really cheap. Uh, it's probably fair market value is around 20 million if I, if, if I had to guess. Wow. Gotcha, so I got, I've got a question for you. I don't know how much you've gone into the crypto gaming space um, or, or or even the, uh, you know, sort of metaverse space, but like, is there any tokens in that aspect? And these are more like, you know, technically kind of more fungible tokens, right? That are, uh, that that you think are interesting in, in, in those realms outside of the, the collectibles and art? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think right now we're seeing 
a real proliferation of, of uh, projects that are focused on play to earn because of the the success that you've seen with Axie Infinity, yep. right? I mean, that like one, the, the number of lives that, that have been changed uh, in Southeast Asia because mm -hmm. they've been playing that game. And then two, as an investor, like you could have bought it at like 20 cents less than a year ago. And I think last I checked, it was trading at $113. And, and like that like has been phenomenal. Uh, another token, I think, along those lines that has recently launched Play to Earn is uh, the Central Games, DG, and that is Play to Earn Poker, where uh, very similar to the Axie model, where you you can use an NFT as a wearable, and that will increase your payouts, and there's this whole, like, gaming mechanism to it, and, like, you know, I, I actually just tweeted about it, uh, the founder wrote a tweet, like, yesterday about how somebody's life, like, was changed, like, they started playing this game with no money. And now they're making, I think like $2,000 a month uh, of, of income backing other players, but then also playing on their own. And I, I, I really do think like the rise of the play to earn economy is, is gonna be something that probably disrupts everything around the world. Like not just like digitally, but also if you think about it, probably like the whole, the whole manufacturing supply chain eventually uh, at, a, at a real macro level. But like, to me, it's, I, I think the opportunity that's happening is it's really incredible and and when people are like how can how can these companies afford to pay the players to play but it's like i mean what's the model right now right like generally people if i started a game i'd be paying facebook and google uh to uh, adsense and, and paying all these ads to these advertisers to onboard players but instead of me paying these uh these massive organizations why not just give the money to the players and have like referral bonus fees and, and all of that go directly to the actual community that's building the game. Gotcha, this is an interesting one, and uh, you've kind of touched on this, but given the illiquid nature of NFTs, how do you think about risk management of your NFT positions? Uh, they're saying, is it similar to closed-end hedge funds? Um, I mean, I, I think you just, a good example would probably be real estate, right? I think that mm -hmm. most people understand where, you know, it's just not liquid. Like if you want to sell something, you don't get in, you don't get instant access, right? One of the things that really attracted me to stocks uh, at a really at you know when I was beginning my career and why I wanted to be involved in uh, liquid capital markets as opposed to real estate is that you know and I'm sure as traders you guys have done this as well where you know I could buy something and then like literally three seconds later I sell it <laughs> and then like I buy it right back, right? And because because the cost to transact is so low because it's like a small number of bips it's very easy to do that, right? But if you buy a piece of real estate and you change your mind right away, you know, you're incurring like, you know, 10% fees each time you do that at, at the very least. And so I, I think you kind of have to look at the NFT market the same way where, you know, if you list something for sale, you're not necessarily going to get instant liquidity, but you have to kind of time the market a little bit better. Uh, and that just comes as a function of things that are less liquid, like anything that's less liquid, you have to be uh, very, very careful of, of risk management and, kind of over a lot the risk, right? Like you can't, if you think you're risking 10%, you're probably more like likely risking 20 to 25% just because of the illiquid nature of the asset. Yeah, it's, that's that's a really interesting uh, point and one that we're gonna unfortunately have to finish on because you know I keep talking to you all day long on this. This is, because uh, it's been eye-opening suffice to say, but when you start thinking about that, you, you, the most valuable high quality NFTs, and then over here, you're, you're again, you're, you're effectively, this is manifesting its way into play to earn or shorter term, you know, shorter term manifestations of the whole thing. You have both, right? I mean, it, 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 in the end, I, I suppose you, you're going to have both because you're not going to yeah. you're not going to have illiquidity over here with, like you said, this ape went for 10 million, but it should be 20. <laughs> that's a pretty wide that's a pretty wide bid ass spread. Uh, but, but over here, it's down to two thousand dollars a day playing to earn it's it's very um it's 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 interesting is it not yeah no I, I agree and i think you're gonna see just more and more markets uh and verticals and industries getting disrupted over time yeah and that to me is like the coolest part about the whole nft thing is that it's literally every it, it, nfts will be a trillion dollar category because ev like every business in the world uses nfts in the real world I mean, this is, uh, and again, thank you, because you've given me, uh, not only opened my mind and provided me an education on something that I needed, uh, but when applied to my world as a disruptor, 
like I got a lot to do now, man. And and I got a lot of good ideas that, well, we'll see if they're good ideas or not. But there's a lot of disruption of the old wall to be done after this conversation. So uh, I'll look forward to talking uh, talking to you uh, on, on our own time. But thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's just really cool that you that, that you took the time to do this, but also transform your career and yourself. I mean, it's hard for people, you know, when you do something for 15, in your case, 20 years, 30 years, sometimes they just can't. But you had the creativity, you had the open mind. You're, you're certainly uh, passionate about this, and I, I think that that came through in this conversation. So, so thanks, for, thanks for making the, the time to have it. Amazing. Thank you for having me on. I, I, I thought this was a great conversation. Really cool. He's G Money. That's really cool. Thanks for listening to Real Conversations, brought to you by Hedgeye. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com slash terms of service.